It's Dr. Stu's Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based birthing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices, and I'm here, as usual, with Bella the dog, <laughs> and with my best co-host in the business, the mysterious one, midwife extraordinaire, among any other things. How's the shopping mall doing, Bliss? It's coming along. Nice, yes. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Bliss has so many things going on, she could open her own mall and have every <laughs> store in it occupied by something different. <laughs> We're happy to be back with all of you for podcast number 159, I think. Oh, that was supposed to be yeah. my job. Oh, yeah. I okay. I job. think 159. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check us out at drsuespodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes and your podcast app, which I still can't figure out why our logo doesn't show up on my podcast I app. I know. It's the only one. Yep. On iTunes, it's there. But on the podcast app, we get this generic, stupid microphone thing. Yep. I've heard that from I've other been people. Trying, I've been trying, trying, and trying to figure it out. Can't figure it out. I've deleted it, re, re, re-entered it. I've got somebody working on it. Good. Don't know what it's all about. Don't understand. If, if anybody knows how to fix that. I'm feeling that. persecuted, though. <laughs> I don't think it's I am, because I'm the only podcast that doesn't have its I think logo. We, I think we just didn't know what we were doing in the No, no, because it used to be a, It used to be up. Oh, it did? Yes. Mm. So maybe they're, maybe I'm being shadow banned by iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> for, for my controversial thinking. Oh, yeah. You can find us on social media at, at Birthing Instincts and on Instagram. Uh, for me and for Bliss, you go to Birthing Bliss Midwifery at, excuse me, Facebook too. Yep. And our websites are birthinginstincts.com and birthingbliss.com. Yep. You've so, been out of music. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We're going to have to get a longer song. <laughs> I've had that song for a long time. I might have to find a new song, although I just love that song. Yeah. So, uh, father-daughter movie. Can't help it. I love father-daughter movies. Yeah, Interstellar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just Mm -hmm. great movie. Yeah. Love transcends the dimensions. Yes, it does. It does. Yes. Yes. So, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, I just got fed by one of my clients. She made me a lovely risotto for lunch. That's nice. It was lovely. I had fast food. <laughs> Even on the running way, around. On the, way, on the way to Lancaster. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering what happens if the, uh, the Green New Deal passes and all the eco-terrorists uh, get their way and we don't have fossil fuel anymore. I mean, will I have to like bicycle to births? <laughs> How will, t- I get, how will I get down to Orange County? I don't if, or, even know what you're talking about. What are you talking well, about? Well, I, I, I spend, I, I drive a lot of gas. Mm-hmm. We'll have electric cars. Yeah, but then you still have to use fossil fuel to, to generate the electricity to make, <laughs> to charge your car. Where does the electricity come from? Well, some, Hydro? Sometimes it does. No, most of the electricity in the country comes from coal, actually. Yeah, well, but that's changing. We're using windmills and sun and other so other means. Right now, we actually, even though this is probably recorded, this will be playing probably. later. <laughs> probably. Well, we'll be recorded. We'll be playing later. Uh, right now, windmills would be great. Yeah. Because we've got the Santa Ana's blowing here in Southern California, and got fires everywhere. There's fires across That's the street really. from my old house. Really? Yeah, out by in Simi, uh, actually in Camarillo, right by the Reagan Library. Yeah, I, d- I was I watching heard that. that this morning on the TV. Mm. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty devastating stuff. Yeah, I got an alarm at two forty-five or something in the morning. My brother-in-law even texted me to see if I was okay. Everybody is. Yeah, yeah. and my mom and my sister in Northern and my niece. But you don't know my brother-in-law. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Usually it's something sarcastic from my brother-in-law because he's a fun, he's one of the funniest guys I know, but uh, in, I a, see. in a very uh, dry sense of humor. So 
Mm-hmm. He's very, he's very funny. Uh, <laughs> I love my brother-in-law, and I missed, I missed seeing him because we were supposed to be at a wedding recently. Oh yeah, San Francisco, and you because of go. obligations, I couldn't go. Mm-hmm. Of course, if we didn't have fossil fuels, then I wouldn't be able to go either. So <laughs> I think that we're going to figure out another way to do it that's cleaner. Yeah, I'll take the, the I'll point. take the, I'll take the bullet train that's never going to be built. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're, you're well, like I, feisty today. I actually, I actually had a, uh, on, on, on Monday this past week, I had a snow day. Fire day. Well, I called it snow day. Oh, we called it, it a fire day. It sounds sound better. I tried to get to my office. Yeah. And uh, there was absolute gridlock over the canyons because the 405 South had been closed. Which is by my house. Which always bothers me that the 405 South has been closed because I don't understand why they closed it. I could understand why they closed a couple lanes of it, but why close the whole th- whole thing? I don't get it because the northbound was open. Yeah. So. Well, the I, fires were on the west side. Of correct. The way. Right. Mm-hmm. But they're not worried about a car being lit on fire. They're worried about having access. Yeah. But if you have two, if you block off two lanes, it's a four lane or even a five lane highway. Mm-hmm. So why do they do that? And I've thought about this a lot. You know, I even talked to you about this recently. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's an overreaction. We tend to overreact to everything now. You know, one bad outcome in the hospital and we got a banned breach delivery. You know, one fire where things get out of control and we have to overreact. Nah, I, I kind of liked it, actually. I think it made everybody stay home and slow down and realize yeah, but what if people had to get to the airport? They'd be okay. How? They would have I couldn't get over the hill. No, I know, but you know, that you survive, you figure it out. You know, like my sister called me this morning, she's in Northern California and one of our friends lost uh, lost their house in one of the big fires up there a couple of years ago, yeah. last year, last year. Yeah. Um, and so she was, you know, she's just saying like, she was listening to news and people were like, oh, the air quality is so bad, I can't take my jog today. And she's like, come on people, like people are losing their homes. So, you know, someone doesn't get to get on an airplane for the safety or, or being able to like do what we need to do, I think. Well, well I think you're arguing tangentially to my argument. I am. <laughs> yeah, because I'm saying that I didn't see any reason for them to overreact by shutting down the whole freeway. Yeah, but I'm just saying I kind of liked it. Well, I understand that you liked it. Okay. <laughs> but all the people that couldn't get to their doctor's appointment or couldn't get to work or couldn't get to the airport mm-hmm. to fly to their daughter's wedding in Florida or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, they probably weren't too happy about that. Yeah. I hear you. And then think of it in our profession, the overreaction. Yeah, I did you know, wonder if one, I had a One birth. bad outcome at a hospital and they shut down a VBAC or breach mm-hmm. thing. You know, one baby gets hepatitis, every single baby has to have hepatitis vaccine. Yeah. Uh, we live in a world where I think, I think it's fear of liability or it's no one wanting to take responsibility, so we'll just inconvenience everybody. You know, or even the peanut butter thing. We talked about this once before, I think. You know, you have a school of a thousand kids and one kid's allergic to peanut butter, so 999 kids can't eat peanut butter. Yeah. I think that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. I do. Well, it's your podcast, so you can talk about that. (laughs) It is is my podcast. (laughs) Unfortunately, I have nobody else in the world listening, but I'm hoping that my listeners, you know, I I don't know whether you agree or disagree with me. I think most of my listeners probably would agree with both of us. Your point is well taken that we should slow down mm. and take a day. Mm-hmm. Like a snow day. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, I was one of those unfortunate kids that happened to live in St. Louis Park, Minnesota growing up, which is a western suburb of Minneapolis. And every time we'd have a blizzard or a snowstorm, 
we'd get up every morning at like six o'clock in the morning and turn on WCCO radio 830 in Minneapolis. I still remember listening. I can't remember the name of the announcers, but they, I still can hear their voices in my head and we were mm-hmm. waiting for the school closures. You wanted to stay home. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and we'd hear, you know, uh, Plymouth and you'd hear Coon Rapids and you'd hear Eden Prairie and you'd hear, you know, even Edina sometimes or whatever else. And never in my entire 12 years was St. Louis Park really schools closed. Yeah, we had such good plowing. <laughs> All right, and yet, and yet, sometimes when they're when they're projecting a blizzard in New York, they shut down Broadway, and then they get like a half an inch of snow. <laughs> 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 or or they closed down Washington D.C. I remember a year or two ago they closed down Washington D.C. Oh, they, the government closed down for two days because of a theoretical snowstorm that was coming, and it sort of dusted, the, the, the town was dusted. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine was supposed to go to some event last a uh, couple of nights ago in Denver, I think, and, and uh, Denver, you know, they're supposed to handle snow in Denver. Yeah. They got about an inch or two of snow, and, they clo- and they, they, the concert was shut down. They canceled the concert. Was it outdoors? No, it was a, oh. at an arena. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I think there, everybody's worried about... Uh, Oh, somebody slides into a ditch, they're going to sue somebody because they should have c- canceled the concert. So they just err on the side of canceling the concert. I, you know, it's one of those things. I think we're all becoming a bunch of... Wussies? I won't, yeah, wussies, wussies is a safe <laughs> word, right? <laughs> right. Not you and somebody, I. Somebody said they should, I should call them scrotums instead of the other, other word. Yeah. Was that you that told me that? No, but I know where that's coming from. Where, where was that coming from? <laughs> well, isn't that Betty White? She said that people talk about that the, the P word is, you know, we talk about that as being like really delicate, but actually they take a pounding. She said something like that. It was Betty White. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, but yeah, but somebody had told me that just recently. Because and, but I didn't know that's are more delicate. Absolutely. Yeah. So I get it. They are. <laughs> Vaginas are, are very tough. Yes, they yeah. are. Yeah. So we're going to change that. Okay. We're going to call people scrotums now. <laughs> Yeah, when I, in a hockey fight, when guy just scrotums out. <laughs> I like it. I stand behind it. <laughs> oh, my hockey team's having a really bad year this year already. No, I'm sorry. It's really going to be well. You have to find something. Le- else this year we say. expected it to be. Last year was just terribly bad, and we didn't expect it. But this year we expect it to be bad. But we always there's always hope. Yeah. Until you're like, you know, have you you have a 300 winning percentage? <laughs> <laughs> and then and it's not so good. Yeah. You get outscored 15 to 3 on a road trip. It's not fun. It's not so fun, yeah. Yeah, it's not fun to watch. Oh my god. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. So we had a we had uh speaking of uh wasting petrol, we had <laughs> we had a uh, we had a berth up in the northern mm-hmm. parts of southern California. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Santa Barbara. A V back. Yeah. In By the way, I just want you to know that there was there was there were two alerts on the TV this morning. There was a there was a fire alert, mm-hmm. and then there was a V back in Santa Barbara alert. <laughs> <laughs> There's a red flag warning for having a V back in Santa Barbara. Tell tell everybody a little bit more about the the you know what's going on in Santa Barbara. Why, why is well, it such a big deal? For... We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, Santa Barbara has a a band. They have one hospital mm-hmm. in the entire county. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough, that hospital previously had bought a little hospital up in Goleta. And then they shut down the OB unit, which tends to happen. Uh, it happened in my old, in, uh, my old uh, days in Camarillo. It was bought by 
what was once called um, Catholic Healthcare West, mm-hmm. which now has become Dignity Healthcare, and I've already <laughs> talked about my disdain for that mm-hmm. name change. But um, they uh, bought Little Pleasant Valley Hospital and promised not to close their OB unit. And within a few years after doing that, they closed their OB unit. Mm. I understand it for financially, but then don't make promises. Yeah. Right? So they have one hospital up there. Yep. And they have one, basically one guy up there who's got a partner, but he's one maternal fetal medicine guy who everyone refers to because he's the only guy up there. And he doesn't support VBACs. And he rules the roost. Correct. He doesn't support them. Nope. Yeah. And uh, his arguments are not logical. Uh, I've seen them because... uh, Jessica Barton, I don't know if she, Jessica, I haven't seen you in years, but if you listen, wrote uh, a series of letters back and forth with this gentleman, and uh, his responses to her were non-responsive, because she quoted ACOG, she quoted uh, the National Institute of Health VBAC consensus study, she quoted a lot of Jen Camel's VBAC fact stuff, and he just came back, well, you know, it's risky, and, and we shouldn't do it, and, uh, you know, he, he really just not, did not respond. And uh, until there's new blood up there, uh, I don't think that's going to change. But you said that the midwives um, at the birth center are taking VBACs now. That's right. They're following ACOG guidelines and allowing that to, to happen. And uh, it's, you know, it is an act of sort of bravery. But so they, have a, they have a tentative good relationship with the large, big poobah up there. And who, who? The, the, the MFM guy. Oh, they do? Yeah. Oh, good. Right. Um, so they're changing things. Not in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. If they transport someone to the hospital, they're likely going to get... A C-section. Yeah. They're going to get subtle coercion or not so subtle coercion mm-hmm. into a C-section. Mm-hmm. By the way, if anybody in San Robert tells me that I'm wrong, I'd love to hear that. So you can email me at askdrstew at gmail.com. Well, VBACs are in trouble here in California. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I don't know a lot, unfortunately, but I did get um, notice that they, the medical board is trying to ban the ability for licensed midwives like myself um, being able to take care of VBACs outside of the hospital or at all, I guess. So I have, you know, a large portion of my clients are VBACs or, you know, TOLAX, um, trial of labor. So that would be really sad um, because that I think a lot of them don't have options. Um, I, don't, I, I have some VVACs that I know for sure weren't necessarily thinking that they wanted to have a home birth like originally, but they felt like it was a better option for them than the hospital in terms of options and support and really trust in the, their ability to do it. So they decided to work with midwives um, and have a home birth. Yeah. So I'm all for that. Yeah. You know, I was actually two, three, whatever years ago it was, maybe even longer than that. I was up in Sacramento at the meeting where they discussed the, I guess it was probably before 2014. So it was was probably breach and twin. Change. Yeah, and but that was also that they were we were guaranteed that they were going to keep VBAC, and I had this discussion with the maternal fetal medicine specialist uh, and the um, ACOG District Nine representative up there, and they thought that that consultation should be required for a VBAC at home, mm-hmm. and I asked them why, and of course the MFM was this young female, you know, very rigid. 
MFM and said, mm-hmm. well, because, uh, you know, it's, it's dangerous and blah, blah, blah. And I said, so is it rare? Yes. So how does a console at 16 weeks predict? Is it, oh, I said, is it predictable? No. All right. Not with one single low transverse or even two single low transverse, two low transverse cesarean sections. And they said, no. And I said, so how does having a consult with a doctor improve anything? Why can't, why don't midwives can't tell the, the risk factors the same as doctors? And since there's no way to tell, what's the point of having? And they actually, actually had to concede it. And then somebody from the board said, you know, let's stop this argument right now. Midwives are going to have VBAC. Yeah, but the ba- bottom line is, and you and I talk about this all the time, is it should be the woman's choice to decide what risk she's willing to take. Of course it should. As long as she's informed. But that's not the way large institutions, academia, government agencies, and administrative states think. Mm -hmm. They think that they know better. I mean, we talked talked about this, the Halloween podcast, that it seems like the people in in the NICU or in the hospital think that they care more about your baby than you do. Right. And this is the same sort of thing. This is a this is a reasonable choice. It's relatively, I mean, it's quite safe, and and ACOG and it's more successful. It <laughs> yeah, and it's, well, they don't support it at home. Yeah, but it's more successful in the home setting, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of data to support that. Mm-hmm. But that would be data that would be ignored. That would be the data that that uh, is you know doesn't fit with the with the model. So we'll just ignore that data, and they're going to decide. And they're going to decide and. And again, why do they care? I mean, we have so many things to think about in California. Fires, for one. <laughs> well, here, let's, di- let's digress for a second. Let's talk about the fires. Why, what causes most of the fires? This one in particular was, um, was the power line. A down power line. I think a branch hit the power line. Yeah. I heard that like a branch from a eucalyptus tree or something. Well, someone told me it was just even rubbing. I didn't hear that it like put it in Well, I think down. the one uh, by the Getty was a branch that hit the eucalyptus. That's what I heard on the radio, but who mm-hmm. knows? I mean, theoretically, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then the wire falls into all this brush underneath it and Crazy. it starts to... Okay. So let me ask a question. Have you ever driven through the Midwest and seen the big power lines? Yes. Okay. And what's underneath them? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's like mowed. Mm-hmm. Wide, you know, a football field wide area is mowed underneath these big power lines that run down. Uh, you know, if you walk driving through Kansas or you're driving through the Midwest someplace. Mm-hmm. All right. Here, we don't have that. And part of the reason we don't have that is because... Uh, Mountains. Uh, and environmentalists don't want brush clearance. They don't, you know, they don't allow for these dead trees and dead things and, and brush clearance to be, be done or either. I mean, some of it's not allowed. Some of it is just probably poor management, Mm -hmm. but when you, uh, when you know that you're going to have fires and we have fires in California every year, it's gotten worse though. Right. Yeah. But they're here every year and we know the Santa Ana's are coming. Mm -hmm. Those are the winds, by the way, for people who don't live down here. It's like a powerful Powerful winds. <laughs> I was thinking about our seasons. <laughs> we have a fire season. Yeah, we have fire season. Earthquake weather. Mudslide season. <laughs> right. We don't want to have earthquake weather. There's no earthquake weather, but yeah, <laughs> right. We have we have a we don't have sunny and and fire season. And that's Someone it. said that sunny we have we have summer and fall. We don't have spring and we don't have winter. Really, we have summer and fall. 
Well, I, I like, I consider winter when the sun goes down at 4.30 in the afternoon. That's mm. to me, mm-hmm. that's our seasons for winter. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets dark. And by the way, that's coming up. Uh, actually, it already happened by the time this podcast plays. Yeah, not but, my favorite time of the year. No, I don't like when they do that. Yeah. They should just leave it on. They uh, should. Okay. Lighter in the afternoon makes more sense. Let's talk about our birth, though. Wait, wait we, before we get to that, I got to oh, get okay. back to the brush clearance thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what led us to the brush clearance thing? We were talking about... The fires. And then you said there's much better things to do in California besides mandating whether or not midwives can... Oh, yeah. We were babies. talking about VBACs, mm-hmm. right. But they but they should clear the brush under these things, okay? They should just be allowed to clear the brush for, you know, 50 feet on either side of it. I mean, when I, own, when I used to own a house... I was mandated or I'd get fined if I didn't clear the brush 50 feet from, or a hundred feet, I think on a hillside from my house and the fire department would come by once or once or twice a year and mm-hmm. check on it. Mm-hmm. And they would give you a, a warning the first time. And then you have to hire some guys to come clear the brush. Uh, you know, that's what Midwesterners do. <laughs> we hire some guys. I mean, some people obviously clear their own brush, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Um, I'm a yeah, bourgeois. Bougie, as my daughter would say. Bougie? Yeah. Bougie. I'm bougie, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a scrotum brush clearer. <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, but why, why, don't, why don't we mandate that the, uh, that the state or the city or whoever, the, or the power, PG&E or whatever, the power company, clear the brush underneath it? I mean, why are we letting this dead stuff just sit there? Well, I definitely think that this is going to cause some change of something because this is a big deal. What's happening? Right well, now? I actually heard on the radio radio um, during this fire time, a guy called in and said, we're in a new development out in Fontana, he said, in a brand new development, and all the power lines are buried under the ground. Mm-hmm. And he said, but with the roving blackouts, they, sh- they still shut our power down. <laughs> <laughs> so look who we, ele- look who we elected. Look, who we just, who, look who's running our, our state and our cities and our government. And we wonder why these things happen, and they just the, their their attention is focused on on this this pet project or something like that. Well, while the homeless population goes up the wazoo or the fires start, I mean, people wonder. My, you know, my family calls me and they they wonder, well, what's happening to California? And I said, guys, I've been complaining about this for a decade. Yeah, time to go. Well. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about that soon. <laughs> time to go. Well, a lot of our clients are. Yeah. 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 Far more than far more than ever were before are are, are talking about moving. Mm-hmm. And then I hear from my friends who live in states like Montana and Arizona and Tennessee says, you know, fix your state. We don't want you guys coming here. Because <laughs> <laughs> all you do is you come here and then you vote for people that will do to our state what you did to your state. Huh. Interesting. It is a scary thing when you think about it. That's what happens. Yeah. So birth. Let's talk about the birth. Uh, baby came out. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, what about what? What are, what are you thinking? It was. I mean, I. I don't want. Do you want me to tell her specific history? Sure. I mean, you're not talking about who she is, so yeah. I think. I think our listeners. Well, like only to hear, she, only she will know who she is. Like to hear about uh, our births. And, well, and this was we a them. this was a woman who had a, a C-section with her first baby, and they felt that it was probably uh, uh, iatrogenically caused. Mm-hmm. That means that uh, they they got. Caused by medicine. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I, I like I was going to try word. to find a, a different way to say it, <laughs> but that's that's exactly right. Caused mm-hmm. by the interventions that occurred mm-hmm. on her. Mm-hmm. So her second pregnancy, she wanted to have a VBAC. And in her, Santa Barbara. 
County. She wanted to have her V back, and mm-hmm. yeah, they live in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and of course they w- weren't allowed to have it there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the husband felt more comfortable having me on the team, mm-hmm. since I'm the only doctor. doctor that's doing it. And so they came to me for their second pregnancy, and lo and behold, around 30, 32 weeks, we started to notice that the funnel height wasn't growing much, and we started to follow the baby. And the baby started to have severe intrauterine growth restriction. Yeah, I was part of that. And she yeah. had, um, yeah, you were the, were your student mm-hmm. at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she had uterine artery notching. And uh, that's a sign of sort of vascular hyperreactivity and more likely to develop preeclampsia and hypertension and growth mm-hmm. restriction and that. And uh, it turned out that at about 30, I don't know, 37, 38 weeks, we ended up having to transfer her care and they were willing, you know, willing to do it, but we did it. They had to drive all the way to Cedars mm-hmm. so we could get somebody really good. Mm-hmm. And that was Paul Crane. Yep. God we bless were. him. Yep. And uh, he induced her and he did yeoman's work in tolerating a baby that had a tough time with labor mm-hmm. and got her a vaginal delivery. Yes. Um, so she had her V back in the hospital. And that baby at 38, 38 and a half weeks weighed four pounds, 14 ounces. Yep. It was a good call. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, and uh, that baby, and then and then they had to fight to keep that baby out of the NICU. They did. I they're feisty. They, yeah, they're very feisty, mm-hmm. and they're and and rightfully so. Yeah. And they said, well, the baby's under five pounds has to go to the NICU, but the baby's fine. Mm-hmm. The baby's not leaving my my chest. Mm-hmm. I'm not letting the baby go. Mom is specifically strong willed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's a mama bird for right. sure. And uh, the baby's feeding, and the baby's and baby's not leaving my chest. Yeah, I think they even declined a lot. They were telling us this time they declined a lot of the um, normal glucose testing. Yeah, they, because the baby was small, they wanted the baby to be have it be stuck every what three hours was yeah, it? Yeah, it's frequent. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they went home and they did fine, and then lo and behold, they got pregnant again. And <laughs> sure enough, I'm expecting you know she's got the same underlying disease, mm-hmm. so I'm expecting the same problem to occur. And this baby just kept growing and kept growing and doing great. And she got to term. Yeah. Even she, post She went a couple of days overdue, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, because she's in Santa Barbara, I just, because of her history, I did a couple of uh, biophysicals and non-stress tests. I got, I was able to uh, um, have them because come. Because of her history, not because she wasn't that post-date. No, yeah. only, only because she had the notching and because she had a severely growth-restricted baby last time. And I just wanted to be sure that this baby wasn't going to like suddenly start to fall off the growth curve or get oligohydramnios. Never got any of those things. And she went into labor, uh, finally. And uh, she delivered an eight pound, eight ounce. She sure did. Third boy. Almost twice as big as the second Yeah, baby. almost twice as big as that. Yeah. As a little pipsqueak. Yeah. Right. She did beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. And then we went for a home home oh, visit yeah, we did a, we did a postpartum visit with them a couple of days later brought the placenta and did the newborn screen test and all that stuff checked the weight baby had only lost a couple of ounces and um yeah three they, uh, three ounces is yeah, all they lost yeah right. um but they had waited to serve a cake and so we all sat down with their boys and sang happy birthday to the to the newest addition to the family and her mom yeah, was they there. sang it in turkish first though is that, what, is that what? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give anything else away, though. So <laughs> ig- ignore that. No, they, um, they, they sang it in Turkish first. Yeah, and and it was the, beautiful. And then they sang happy birthday to the baby. And we enjoyed And the boys it. were excited. And the cake was a delicious, French yummy, fruit, beautiful yeah, cake. cake. Mm-hmm. And they brought you a whole plate of like 
<laughs> fruit. so sweet. Like an apple and a banana. Well, because I had acknowledged that, you know, I feel like sometimes um, in our culture, we don't always serve food at a situation like that, you know? Rarely I, do they serve food. Yeah, but I notice with my... Um, with with my families from other cultures, a lot of times they like every single time you come, they make sure that there's food available, and it's just it's so lovely, it's so lovely. Yeah, especially if when you know it, it's it's lovely, but it's even lovelier when we weren't really pressed for time. I mean, both of us wanted to get back to L.A. <laughs> yeah, we were like, we're gonna leave quick. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, didn't. we didn't. We wanted to get in and out because <laughs> we had, we had fun, to drive though. all the way up to Santa Barbara in the evening. Yeah, we had a fun time, and then drive all the way back again. And we didn't have to have fast food on the way back, which we mm. did after the birth. We stopped at McDonald's and got uh, breakfast sandwiches. One of them. Yeah, morning. and they forgot to put the eggs in them. <laughs> that was really that was that was really disappointing. I almost turned around and went back. I was surprised you didn't. I would have. It was yeah. too late. It yeah. was like one thirty in the morning yeah. or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, so what do you want to talk about today besides our our births? Uh, well, I want to talk about um, the fact that. By the time this podcast plays, hopefully they'll all be delivered. But I do want to talk about the dilemma that I that I face, and probably some of my listeners face who are practitioners of the idea that that your life is not your own when you are a dedicated home birth solo practitioner. Yeah. Um, I have I had a wedding. I think I might have mentioned this earlier, but I had a wedding in San Francisco that I had to miss because I had. Five people do, including the the back we just discussed. So you kind of knew you weren't going to be able to go, right? I mean, well, but <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I, Dr. Chavira can cover me once in oh, a while, uh-huh, uh-huh. but I wasn't going to leave with two sets of twins, mm-hmm. including one almost a grand multip, two breeches, a V-back who was really dependent on me, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, it just, it just wasn't possible for me to do that. So I missed another family event. Yeah. And here we are a few days later and I still have these people out and now I picked up another breach. (laughs) So I have three breaches and two, uh, V-backs, two uh, twins and maybe even another V-back to come in coming into care. Uh, all due in the next three or four weeks. And I'm supposed to go uh, to speak in New Jersey by the time, again, this podcast will be coming out about that week. Uh, I'm going to speak at the uh, New Jersey Sympo- Symposium on Physiologic Birth. Mm-hmm. Very excited about that. Um, Kristen Pescucci is going to be there and uh, she's going to speak on uh, obstetric violence, that she, you know, her usual topic, which is, I love hearing what she has to say because she's always got new new stuff. And hopefully she's got a movie coming out. So, uh, Oh, awesome. Yeah. Mother May I, I think it's supposed oh, to yeah, be called. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I remember yeah, they were doing they're working on it. They're still working on it. For that. They did some shooting in L.A. not you know last last year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Diana Snyder is a lawyer, and she's going to give a talk. And it's really the three of us, and then we're going to have a panel. It's the one-day symposium, and I'm very excited about that. And then I'm supposed to come back from there to fly right to Madison for the Madison Breach Conference, where mm-hmm. all my lovely Breach colleagues are going to be there, people awesome. that I love. And I'm probably not going to be able to go. Oh, you don't think so? No, because I have coverage when I'm in New Jersey because that's Dr. Chavira. He will cover me. Uh-huh. But Dr. Chavira is also speaking at the Madison Breach Conference. So if these people have not delivered, 
by then, I will probably, instead of flying to Madison from New Jersey, I'll have to fly straight back to LA. Mm. Probably wave to Dr. Chavira at the airport as he's leaving for Madison. So you don't tell them when they come in that you're going to be leaving? These people all knew. Mm-hmm. These people all knew because I've had these conferences on the schedule for... But you just don't feel right about it. I just... Yeah, when yeah. I, if, uh, you know, if we're, if we're just feedbacks or something where, where my midwife team, you or, or Beth or the people could take over and do it, that's fine. Yeah. But if I don't, if I'm not there. They get a C-section. Or midwives put themselves in trouble. Like I know that the woman who's having babies number four and five, she's not going to the hospital. She's going to do like the woman in Temecula once did who, who, you know, had her babies while we were driving down on the 15 freeway. Oh, she won't call the midwife. She'll just... No, she'll it. call the midwife and yeah. the midwife will probably come over because the midwife has delivered all her other kids and has a loyalty to her. And they'll and, and midwife's quite confident and is quite capable of delivering twins. It's just, it's illegal now because California overreacted. <laughs> we're back to that... That seems like our underlying theme today is some overreaction. <laughs> I mean, you know, There's your topic. Did I, overreact, did I overreact by not going to the wedding? But if I had gone to the wedding, I would have missed Santa Barbara be back. Yeah, yeah. It's so at least I feel, I feel vindicated that sometimes I don't go to things and then nothing happens. I missed, I missed that birth, a really special client v when I was uh, when I was in India. So I know how that feels. Because oh, I don't right. travel nearly as much as you do. Right. But I am going with you in June. That's happening. And everybody's I just, heard. Everybody's going to have to just, you know, not hire me, I guess. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not working in June. <laughs> By the way, don't get pregnant. Well, let's see. Pre- They're already right pregnant. Now. Yeah, <laughs> damn it. We're, we're not going to be around I think in June. I, I think I warned people for that already. I yeah. did say that already. Yeah. yeah. I'm not working in June. I'm taking June off. Mm-hmm. We and are. We're going to Ecuador. And Galapagos Island. We could do a podcast from, live from Ecuador. We should. John, can we do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you'd have to record it. Oh, we have to record it. We can't do it on the phone with you or anything I like mean, that. Skype well, I didn't remember when I did, we did the one with my dad. I just recorded it. Yeah, yeah we could do that. We, sh- we will. We're we, going to do that. We will do that. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And then John will dub in the, uh, the music, and I could put in the uh, intro later on. Okay. Oh, yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, that'll be fun. We'll right. talk about the conference and all of that. And then, uh, and then we're going to probably try to sneak away to the Galapagos. Aren't no, we? we are. Right. Not try. We're going to. And anybody who wants to join us down in Ecuador, um, we can get a, if, let me know and we'll get a group together and we'll all go to the Galapagos together. Fun. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Oh my God. That would be fun. Yep. And then we'll just build a raft and we'll just sail to the Fiji Islands. That's where I'm going. I'm going to Bali. And then never come back. <laughs> 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 yeah, like like uh, Thor Heyerdahl or on Khan Tiki. Do you know what I'm even talking about? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes if you keep talking, I can get it out of context. I have, a, I have references <laughs> that yeah, most people don't know what I'm talking about. I try. I try. Right. <laughs> oh, man. I could just quote all kinds of things. <laughs> and one of my favorite quotes hmm. is, um, it's actually said in the movie, part of it's said in the movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Yeah, we were talking about but that. But it's... Uh, it's about a guy that held a bridge against uh, incredible odds. And he said, um, Then out spake brave Horatius, the captain of the gate. To every man death cometh, whether sooner or late. And how can a man die better than facing fearful odds for the ashes of his fathers and the temples of his gods? Isn't that great? Isn't that great yeah. Quote? 
the fact that you can remember it, it's pretty yeah. great too. <laughs> right. If I was ever facing fearful odds to defend what you love. Mm. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> don't know why that came up, but I just think the idea that, uh, that um, our lives are, are not our own, uh, as you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some changes have to be made. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this for 30, well, 38 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, We're so glad. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. you know, I've lived in California for 38 years. I've lived in California for 48 years. Yeah. I beat you on that one. You're older than me. <laughs> as far as California goes. But you've never had a snow day. Well, when I lived in D.C. for a few years, but not in school. But you're supposed to respond, well, neither did you. That's right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I lived in St. Louis Park, and I never had a snow day. God darn it. Gosh darn it, but now you get fire days. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Except that fire days, some people are losing everything I right i know that's what my son and snow I days nobody about. lost anything that's true I mean, you, you, maybe you couldn't get to the airport and that sort of thing but yeah but uh so what else do we want to talk about today <laughs> did you have, how's, how's your new place oh you, i don't know we i have questions yeah okay. i mean i i have lots of stuff sitting here yeah do that because all right i got a question from uh daisy not a question actually it's a comment it's about a question on warriors Oh, yeah. Not warriors. Warriors. <laughs> warriors. Yeah. Okay, she says, hi, Dr. Stu, and bliss by default. <laughs> My name is Daisy. I'm a long-term listener to your podcast, and I'm currently enjoying a long run, catching up on all the episodes, and high bliss hi. with a heart. Aww. Big heart, too. Thanks. I'm from Australia. We love Australia. Hey, mate. It's like our and second li- on the list, right? We, what? In terms of listeners and countries. Yes, it is. Yeah. Second mm-hmm. on the list. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm ready to go back. Actually, I'm I ready to go there. I was, I was in Australia for like four days in Sydney. So that was what I, I went to Brazil for, to Rio for three days once. And so I, I can never say that I haven't been to South America, but I really haven't been to South America. <laughs> so I'm really excited about Ecuador. Yeah. Anyway, I'm from Australia. And after two amazing births, one in a birth center and the other at home, I'm now training to be a doula with the hope of studying to be a midwife in a few years' time. Yay. Birth is my happy place. Mm-hmm, me too. Yeah. Hopefully it will be after 38 years too. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've noticed with friends, and I'm sure I'll encounter it with clients, is the constant worrying. Yep. Welcome to our club. Mm-hmm. This is something I don't really experience. I loved being pregnant and birthing, and raising kids is difficult, but I'm not one to worry about every little thing. In both your experiences, how have you learned to deal with the worriers? Well, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. And empower them to trust in their bodies and themselves. I got a good example, but I'll want to hear yours first. <laughs> I find it especially hard with these people who don't want to bother with the research. Keep podcasting, and if you'll come to Australia, I'll be there. Just invite us. <laughs> Just invite us. You know what? Get about three or four people together, and we'll, we'll, and we'll come and we'll... Go travel. You'll take us to the Outback, right? Nice. I'm in. I mean, we'll go to the Melbourne. We'll go to the, the big race in Melbourne. They have a big horse race there. Great. I forgot what it's called. I'm going to be in trouble for that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Bliss, how do you deal well, with worries? Obviously, every person who's worried isn't exactly the same, so you deal with them differently. Yeah. There's a quote, and I can't remember who it's from, but they say that, that worry is the work of pregnancy. So, it is just, it, it is a very common Thing for women to worry about 
you know, themselves, if they're doing it right, the well-being of their babies, all of that, right? Surviving. I think it's built into Western culture, too. Even the, More so even the English-speaking cultures, like yeah. Australia, Canada, England, and uh, America, I think, are, are more likely to be having worry as part of their culture. Yeah. I'm like Not you. Not like the Latin culture. Um, the, our, our listener in that I really enjoyed my pregnancies and I found that, you know, I didn't do a lot of the test. I skipped a lot. I trusted birth. I still trust birth. Um, and I have a very, I have a very deep spiritual practice. So I think that that really helps me to turn a lot of that over. Um, and the, a lot of my clients who, you know, we can have a religious or spiritual conversation about it. I think sometimes that can help to have that common ground. Um, but I do think social media has really, really increased this for women, um, for families, because there's so much more information on the internet, and accessibility, mis- and misinformation, misinformation is- comparisons, you know. Um, you know, I think about when I was pregnant, if I wanted to get information outside of my midwife, I'd have to go to the library. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it took a lot of work to research and do that stuff. And and there's so much um, that you can get access to that sometimes can just purely be someone's opinion. You know, it's not even really based on reality. So, um, yeah, I think that that has really compounded things. But um, Do you have suggestions for them specifically like, don't tell people your plan or tell people you're due two to three weeks after. I mean, all the little things that we've talked about on our podcast before, but you know, if people, if, if you're wanting to do a home birth and you know that your friends or family are going to be browbeating you about that, then, you know, sometimes you just don't have to share that information. True. I think, I think what she's talking about though, is just the person who's just worried inside of themselves. And obviously the outside um, influences can, compound that can make that worse, you know, but I think that some people, I think I was telling you the story about one of my clients who, um, her baby hiccuped and she went and did some research and found out that there was a correlation in some studies between, and she sent them to me. With stillbirth and hiccups. Stillbirth and hiccups. And what do you, what do you say to that? That's not going to happen because what it, it could. Right? I mean, there's a first small of all, percentage. I, first of all, you've never heard of that, and I've never heard of that. No, I told her that it's so not that's, common. It's, it's not. It, it, look, at my brain is really good at, at, it doesn't remember like names really well or that sort of thing, but it's really good at remembering little bits of data, and if I'd ever heard that before, my brain would remember that. And most babies hiccup. All babies hiccup. <laughs> yeah. All babies hiccup. Yeah. They don't always feel it, but you know, you see it on ultrasound all the time. Yeah. So obviously there's not a strong correlation between the two, right? You were saying that. Yeah. And, and Daisy, also, I think that, that uh, you know, the, the kind of people you might encounter as a midwife are going to, you're going to encounter less of that worry because by the very nature that they're choosing you as a practitioner, they're, they're less likely to be the worrying kind. What I end up finding deal with is I find that the partner is often the the one with the worries. Mm. And I just had a really interesting dynamic in my office this past week where where the woman really she's already in her in her eighth month and she really wants a home birth. And she was seeing midwives in the hospital setting and she decided that she there was just feel the feeling she was getting was not the feeling that she wanted. But she did it because her husband wanted her to give birth in a hospital. So yeah. she came in for a consult and the first thing I was, after hearing her story is I said, well, you know, you're, you don't need me. 
you could just have a midwife. But she says, no, no, and my husband who's sitting, next, you know, he's sitting right next to her, says, um, no, no, we, we, you know, I'm really, 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 really scared about delivering out of the hospital because what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what do you do when this happens? And what do you do if they don't breathe? And what do you do that? And he, and, and I spent an hour and a half time. So time is very important. And then afterwards, I, I offered, I said to him, one of the things that I said to all my clients with breaches or twins is I said, I have a list of dads who have been in the chair that you're sitting in right now, who've gone through this, would you like to speak to them? Mm-hmm. And he was excited about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so I gave him some numbers and I don't know whether they'll talk or they won't talk, but ultimately you want, you really want to try to not to, to skew their counseling or bias them and to be really accepting of the fact that this is their reality and also try to get to the bottom of the reality. And it turns out that, that, that his first child with a different, with a different uh, uh, wife um, ended up in the NICU, uh, had Maconium aspiration, and that freaked him out. He said, what happens if that happens at home? And, and then he's got a relative who had a baby that was born with some problems. And so this is his frame of reference. And, and everybody's going to have that. And you can't always tell, teach people or, or, or reassure them. And sometimes you have to just surrender to the fact that that maybe that this isn't the right choice for them. Yeah, because you can't, ultimately, when it comes down to it, you can't make any promises. So there are some people that if you give them information and statistics, it helps relax them. I have a second-time mom right now, and she is on board for home birth, and her partner definitely is not. And she just decided, like, I'm doing not it. Worth it. I'm, no, oh. she said, I'm doing it oh, great. this time. Last time she acquiesced, and this time she's like, I'm doing it. He's well, especially as a multip. I mean, I mean the, the success rate for multips is so high. Right. But Daisy, I would just tell you that just by listening and reading your letter and, and hearing your attitude, you're, you're going to exude confidence, and, and, and your clients are going to pick that up from you. Yeah. So. The one last thing I would say about that is um, that, you know, it prepares them for the nature of not being able to control what happens in the birth. And that's kind of where I go to ultimately is like, there are just some things that are out of our control that you're not going to be able to control no matter where you are. So if you can start to have a deeper conversation about, you know, that in life, there's always going to be things sometimes that we can't control. And again, you have to give it time. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't be having these, you know, that's the beauty of the midwifery model. Oh, the model. conversation has yes. to have, yeah. Yes. You yeah. can't, you can't push people in and out. You just can't do that. Yeah. And that's the, that's why I love really what, what we do so much. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. So I think the lesson today is <laughs> that the world overreacts. <laughs> California. Well, the world overreacts. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. even Daisy's saying that people are overreacting and, yeah. and getting worrying and stuff like that. So everybody take a deep breath. Let's all do it right now. <sighs> Although in, in yoga, aren't you supposed to just breathe through your nose? No, not always. There's different pranayama. Mm, okay, well, <laughs> so give us a chant. <laughs> give us a chant. Quick, quick, quick. Oh. Um, um, everybody be calm. All right, so again, this is Dr. Stu's podcast. We believe it's number 159, but we might be wrong. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, thank you for listening. As I always say, you have lots and lots of podcasts. My podcast app is filling up immensely with other great podcasts out there. True. And I never have time to get through them all. So we're happy that you want to listen to ours. So you can find us again on iTunes in the podcast app. You can reach us at birthingbliss.com or birthingbliss.midwifery.com or birthinginstincts.com. Yeah. And you can write me at askdrstew at gmail.com and you can write bliss at birthingbliss 
at hotmail.com. Uh, then we'll, we'll see you at the next podcast. Bye-bye.